Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, great to see everybody today. Uh, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, particularly how to host the presence of God. Now, I mentioned this next, last week, and I may say it again for a few more weeks, but the most important thing about any person is what you believe about God. Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he exists? Do you believe he's mad? Do you believe he is a rewarder? What do you believe about God? Because it will affect every aspect of your life. But if you're a Christian, the second most important thing about you is how you host the presence of God. Because every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Now, we talked last week about how you can quench the Spirit of God, how you can grieve the Spirit of God. And I want to talk to you today about flowing with the Spirit of God in your life. And in Philippians 2 and verse 13, it says, God himself is at work in you. Now, remember, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit, he's on the inside of you, inspiring you to want those things which please him and to work for them, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. So God puts literally desires down on the inside of us. Now, the thing about these desires is they can come over a period of time and grow, but very often they will come almost instantaneously. Like on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Spirit was showing up. And when he showed up, it wasn't something that took a period of time. It was like suddenly it happened. But he's at work in you. Sometimes we think this has to do with other people, but he's at work in you. When you're a believer, he's in there, he's working, and he is inspiring you to want the things that please him. Now, in Acts 7 and verse 23, it says that when Moses was 40 years old, now about the time he was three, he was taken from his mother and brought to Pharaoh's house. He was, he was a Hebrew, he was Jewish, but he was taken to the, the, uh, the Pharaoh's home, the king of Egypt, and he was brought up as an Egyptian. But when he was 40 years old, the Bible says it came into his heart to visit the children of Israel. Now, God is the one who put that in his heart. And in the same way, God will put desires inside of your heart. He will inspire you to want to do certain things. Jeannie and I were, when we, when we got married, uh, we spent our, our first anniversary as missionaries in Mexico. And we were in Guadalajara for a couple of years when uh, I, was contacted by a friend from Bible school who was in Mexico City. His name is Javier Gomez Rubio. And Javier called me up and said, hey, he said, uh, look, I'm, I got invited to go preach out in the mountains of Mexico. He said, these Indian people up in the mountains, he said, it's going to be so much fun. He said, would you come with me? And I thought, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I'll do that. And so Jeannie and I went to Mexico City. Our son Joshua was really small at the time, and so Jeannie stayed, 
in Mexico City with Javier's wife and their daughter, with our son. Javier and I, we get in a car, we go two, three hours out to a village, spend the night. And about two o'clock in the morning, they wake us up. And they said, we're leaving. And they put us in the back of a little CJ5 Jeep. And we went a couple hours down a highway, then about three hours down a dirt road. And uh, in this particular part of Mexico, a dirt road, by the way, is any place that a bulldozer ever went out and made it back. That was the definition of a dirt road. So we go down this dirt road till it ends. And at the end of the road, there's some men waiting for us, some mountain men. Now, some of you, you've heard this story before. I know that, but I wanted to hear it again myself. So I'm just going to tell that story today. All right. So, so uh, they're waiting there and they have mules. Now, for those of you who do not know, a typical donkey, its back is only about this high, right? But a horse, you know, they're high, they're, their back is going to be about so high. Now, a mule is actually a cross between a donkey and a horse. Now, the reason they do it is this. A mule will be almost the size of a horse, but it's sure-footed just like a donkey. You know, in, in real rough terrain, a horse will fall, but a donkey, they just do not fall. So the mule has the two qualities. It's larger and it's able to go on very rough terrain. And we were going to be going for, through rough terrain for the next 12 hours. I'm on this mule up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river. And, and, and seriously, I never again saw a mule quite like the one I had. I just simply call it the pygmy mule because his legs were so short. And I was the tallest one there. I don't know why they gave it to me, but, but uh, it was like riding like this for 12 hours. And when the, when the trail had an indentation in it, and this, I'm, I'm abs this is serious, okay? I would literally, I would stand up and go like this and just... You know, now, you know, I, I'm an outdoors type of guy, you know, hunting and fishing and sports and stuff. And I kind of consider myself, you know, a, a man, man type of guy. I mean, riding that mule was so painful, I, I literally began crying. But we finally get to this village up on the top of a little mountain called Buena Vista, and Pastor Bernie, who's, who's here, he's been there uh, with me years later. But we, we get there, and it is 100 degrees. The humidity is just like 100%. I look around, and I begin to realize what I've gotten myself into. There is no electricity. There's no running water. And I'm about to find out there's no bathrooms. The houses are maybe 150 square feet. They're a thatched roof, just sticks for a wall, dirt floor. And uh, we've been there for a little while and, and talking with some of the guys. And, and I asked, I said, uh, where is the bathroom? And they said to me, al monte. <laughs> you speak Spanish, don't you? That means the mountain, wherever. So I get out a little ways from town and uh, I got to take care of business. This pig, uh, I, I am sure, weighed 500 pounds, 
could not wait for me to get done with the business. And he charges. Now, fortunately, there were some rocks nearby and, and uh, I, I was able to keep him away for a little bit. But I mean, I am freaking out. You ever hear a culture shock? I mean, I am, I am in culture shock. And I go over to Javier and, and I said, why did you bring me here? He's, oh, we're here. We're going to have a great time. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I, I literally, I grab him by his shirt. And I said, Javier, I said, this is not my ministry. I belong in a city that has electricity, water, and bathrooms. No pegs. And I said, I want to leave, and I want to leave now. And he said, we can't. And I said, why? He said, number one, we do not know the way. He said, number two, we do not have any mules. And number three, we told him we'd stay for three days. So we stayed for three days, and it was, it was really amazing. We would have church from about 9 in the morning to noon, take a break. And then about 2 o'clock, we'd pick back up and have church until about 5. And then at 7 o'clock, we had brought a movie projector and a generator, and we would show movies. So people literally would come, and they would walk four or five hours to come and see the movie. So we'd show a movie, preach, show a movie, preach, show a movie, preach, movies about Jesus. So we'd get, have church till about midnight. Then we'd go back and lay down on the dirt floor and try to sleep and keep the bugs off. And I remember we're leaving three days later, and I climbed up on a mule, a real mule, with legs. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm climbing up on that mule, and, and literally, tears are just streaming down my face. Now, it's not that I'm glad we're leaving. It is that God has put in my heart that he wants us to move where we can live and minister to these people. So I get back to Mexico City, and I say to Jeannie, I said, uh, I have something, you know, I feel like God has put on my heart to move. And she says, yeah, God already spoke to me. And two or three weeks later, we were living there. God put that inside my heart because there was nothing in the natural that would make me want to do that. Uh, not that many years ago, we were uh, camping with our kids in a tent. And, uh, you know, they're starting to get old and all of them weren't with us. And, and Jeannie says, hey, she says, pretty quick. She said, uh, you know, it'll just be you and me. And I said, and we can get a hotel. <laughs> We're just doing this camping thing for the kids' sake. <laughs> but God himself, he's at work in you. He puts desires inside of you. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, your, your flesh has desires. The world will put desires inside of you. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a desire that God puts on the inside you. Notice it says, take up his cross. Now, your cross is not your mother-in-law, your job, sickness and disease, 
depression. Those are not your cross. The only people that have crosses are Christians. And there's non-Christians that have most of the things that people think are their cross, that are problems in their life. Your cross, listen, is different than any other person's cross. Your cross is to do God's specific will for your life. That's your cross. And nobody has one just like yours. He says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Now, notice it's denying yourself and it's doing God's will for your life. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, seeking the kingdom can't be second, third, fourth, or fifth. But when we're seeking the kingdom, we delight ourselves in the Lord. When we're seeking the kingdom, we're loving and pursuing God. When we're seeking the kingdom, we're putting the pursuit of God number one in our lives. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And in the Old Testament, we have the prophet Elijah. He's talking with King Ahab and he says, as the Lord your God of God of Israel lives before whom I stand. He understood that he, no matter where he went, God was there. But if you're a believer, God is more than there. He's inside you. And he's not just there for the ride. He is the counselor. He's the helper. He's the standby. He wants to have an active part in our lives. In the, 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 the New Testament of the Bible, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's a book in your Bible called the Book of Acts. And it says the Acts of the Apostles. I would like to just say that maybe they should have named it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you take the Holy Spirit out, 95% of the book is gone. They, they, were, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately today in the church, if we take the Holy Spirit out, about 95% stays the same. And in our lives, if we take the Holy Spirit out, 95% may remain the same. How I many you know that should not be? That should not be. If we take the Holy Spirit out of the church, the church ought to collapse. And if we take the Holy Spirit out of our lives, so much of what's going on in our lives should simply disappear. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's not talking about a car or a house or new clothes or a vacation. It's talking about God putting a desire down on the inside of us. I've already mentioned that we were missionaries and, and as mission, we, we loved being missionaries. I mean, we loved it, loved it, loved it and planned to be missionaries the rest of our lives. And in at least my mind, as missionaries, we were kind of like God's Navy SEALs. We were out there on the front lines, preaching to the, 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 un, the unreached, telling the untold, getting people saved. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, I'm, and, and, and this, I had a bad attitude about pastors in America. I thought they're a bunch of wimps. 
You know, if more pastors were abiding in Christ, more would be abiding outside the United States. They'd be like us. They'd be on the front line. They preach to the same bunch of people every week, bunch of wimps. I'm serious. That's what I thought. I didn't say it, but that's what I thought. So in 1981, or it was 82, we went to St. Louis, Missouri to a missions conference. I was sitting way in the back, Grace World Outreach Center, 2.30 in the afternoon. Marilyn Hickey's preaching. I'm receiving your dream from God. And I'm sitting there and I'm taking notes and I'm listening. And it came into my heart. Now, I said before, sometimes things, they're quick. Uh, excuse me, it's a, they, they, there's a process and it's slow. But sometimes it's very, very quick. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven. I mean, I'm sitting there and it was like the old machines where you'd go up and put, a, you'd put 50 cents in and get a Coca-Cola. How many remember that? You put those coins in and all of a sudden they go click down on the bottom. It's kind of like hit the bottom. I'm listening to her. And in my mind, I, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary for the rest of my life. And just like that, God drops inside my heart and says, leave Mexico, go to Grand Rapids, Michigan, pastor a church, do this, 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 and this. Now, if you had said to me five minutes before, we'll give you $10 million to move to Grand Rapids, I'd have said, you're nuts. No way, Jose. Five minutes later, it's all, it is just exploding on the inside of me. And literally, the direction of our life changed in 10 seconds. You say, what happened? It came into my heart, just like it came into Moses' heart. Now, God will do the exact same thing with every one of us. Some of you, it may come into your heart to minister to children. It might come into your heart to pray for the sick. It might come into your heart to start a business. It might come into your, your heart to reach out to somebody in your neighborhood or to start a Bible study with some friends. But God will put inside of your heart things that he desires for us to do. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Well, before I, before I do that, let me, let me just say, tell you one more little story. So when God put in my heart to leave the village we were living in and move to Guadalajara, that we were going to be asked to teach in a Bible college, and we were supposed to go. And uh, we loved that village, both of us. But I just felt like God was saying, it's time for you to leave. I've got something else for you to do. So I told Jeannie. And she said, no, 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 I don't think that's right. She says, our work here is not done. Look at everything that needs to be done. And look how much fruit there is from what we're doing. You know, we lived there for a couple of years, started about 20 churches. Right? She says, look at all the fruit. She says, no, you're just, you, you just want to go someplace that's a little nicer. So... I said to her, I said, you just pray about it, honey. Just pray about it. I'm not going to talk you into anything. This is what I think. So I took off for about three days to go up in, the, up in uh, some mountains and, and preach in a different town, a little village. And when I came back, God had visited our house. Now, we lived right at the very edge of town. And because there were no bathrooms in town, 
Everybody stopped right in front of our house and did their stuff. Um, our, our son, Joshua, was just a little guy at that time. And uh, he was what they call a toad head. You know what toad head is? He just had that white hair, you know, real super blonde hair, you know, big blue eyes. And uh, in our village, almost no one had ever seen somebody with blonde hair and blue eyes. And so every place we'd go, everybody's touching him. You know? And the, the, the question that Jeannie answered more than any other question was, can he see? Because he's got blue eyes. And she'd say, yeah, yeah. And they'd say, well, does he see blue? And, and, and Jeannie would say, well, do you see brown? And everybody would laugh. And then we tried to raise him normal. But every place he'd go, all the kids would want to be around him, and they would all give them their toys and just watch him play. And it's kind of hard to, you know, teach a kid to be normal. And there were just like a list of like 40 other things. So I get back in the village that Jeannie loves, the village that she is not willing to leave. I get home like midnight. She meets me at the door. And she says to me, have you noticed our village? And I thought, well, of course I live here. Of course I've noticed our village. And she begins to mention, everybody dumps right in front of my house every day. She says, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And I says, well, honey, you know, in a few months we're going to move to Guadalajara and we're going to be teaching in the Bible school. And she says, no, no, no. She says, I want to leave tonight. Now, we left a couple months later, all right? But here's, here's the deal. God took her grace. See, when, when the grace of God comes on you, when he puts that desire inside you, notice it says it doesn't just say that he puts the desire inside you. It says, but also to work for them. In other words, God gives you the desire and he gives you the grace to do what he's called you to do. And when you're doing what you're called to do, you are happy happy, 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 happy. Now, you are fulfilled. You're in the middle of the will of God. But one of the ways that God can let you know it's time to move is take your grace. Is there anybody here that God ever took your grace away for something that you had at one time? And it's literally, it's just God saying, hey, I'm moving you in a new direction. I've got a new assignment for you, and I'm going to grace you to do something different than what you've done before. Now, you may look at some people that are doing something for God, maybe even a missionary who's in South America or who's in China or in some place that you think, I wouldn't want to be there. Do you know they wouldn't trade with you for anything? Because the grace of God is on them. And when God's grace is on you, you are happy, 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 happy. Other people look at you and think, how in the world can you do that? And you don't need to tell them, but I'm just going to tell you how. God's grace is on you. You're doing what God has put in your heart to do, and he is enabling you to do. And when we're in the middle of God's will, we are happy, 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 happy. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, a lot of people have very strange ideas. But it's very simple. And it's explained here in the next verse. It has to do with our thoughts. 
It says, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. So every imagination, every thought that disagrees with the Word of God and the Spirit of God needs to be cast down. You need to reject those. And if they have a place in your life, then what you need to do is you need to replace that with what the Word of God says. Now, the number one way that God leads every Christian is by His Word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, the way that we change, you, 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 you know this, the Bible was given to us to change the way that we think. So in Romans 12, it says, don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Change the way you think. Now, the way you change the way you think is by taking the Bible and believing and receiving what God says in his word to be truth for you today. Change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants. You see, when, when your mind has been changed by the word of God, you don't go around wondering, well, is this what God wants? Am I pleasing God? Is this right or wrong? Because when our minds have been changed by the word of God, we know what the will of God is. Now notice, it's every thought, every imagination, every bit of knowledge that rises up against the knowledge of God. So I just want to give you an example of this as we close. Rene Descartes, over 350 years ago, a philosopher, and he is really trying to, to get into epistemology. Why do we know what we know? And how do I know that I really exist? And uh, he came up with, with now a very famous saying, I think, therefore I am. I remember that one from school. I think, therefore I am. Now, I, I want to just say, you are not because you think. You are because God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You are because God breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. You are because Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's why you are. But you take Rene Descartes, I think, Therefore, I am. In fact, uh, it's been taken very, very far. Peter Singer, who uh, is at Princeton University teaching bioethics, says it this way. Human babies are not born self-aware or capable of grasping their lives over time. They don't think the way that you think. They are not persons. Hence, their lives would seem to be no more worthy of protecting than, he mentions in the quote, the life of a fetus. And by the way, the word fetus is simply Latin for a young one, a young one. Uh, basically, what he is 
coming up saying, if you don't want a child, and that child's three months old, you can kill that child, and it's really not a problem because they're not self-aware. They don't have value. But listen, you have value because you're created in the image and the likeness of God. Not because you think, not because of how intelligent you are. You have value because you're created in God's likeness and God's image. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of things that are in our culture, right, that we accept that are totally contrary to the word of God. So the Bible says that we need to do is we need to take every thought, every argument, what they call knowledge today, and we need to subject it to the word of God. And if it disagrees with the word of God, the Bible says you cast it down. You cast it down. And we change the way we think. And when you change the way you think, you change the way you live. You change the way you think with the word of God. So would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.